Let's lock ourselves inside a greenhouse for two years. And have you ever tried the snout of the sea? Let's, Let's learn a thing or two. Matt, you ready to rumble? Oh, I'm ready to rumble. I didn't, this mic's kind of <laughs> a very it's long face, shape. It's a very phallic-looking microphone. That's <laughs> 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 it. It just smacked me in the face. We gotta do what we gotta do. So, Matt, welcome back to the Two Top Podcast. Welcome back, Thomas. Here we are again. We are here, and we're here to talk topics. And Matt, you know, today I have something that I've been learning recently doing research for school and some other stuff, but I've, I come, I've come across a crazy science experiment that I think is worth talking about. I'm curious. Now, a little backstory, you know, Earth and humans, we get along. You know, we're working with Earth. Sometimes we're working against nature. But, you know, what if we could recreate Earth? And you know what? Some people in the 80s thought the same thing. And they decided to try. Nice. So, back in the 1980s, it was the whole space craze, you know. Could we live in a colony on a different planet? And these people out there, they, well, they wanted to find out. So, in order to test this, they created Biosphere 2. Biosphere 2 was a three-acre complex. Is, is Biosphere 1 Earth? Biosphere 1 is Earth. I wasn't sure if you were going to ask. That's cool. Or if you were going to guess. But, yes. The first biosphere is obviously our Earth. So the second one is the man-made one in the middle of the Arizona desert. Whoa, okay. So it is currently now owned by the University of Arizona for research and study. But, you know, it was created as a hypothetical space colony. Like, could we live on another planet with a system that recreated Earth's systems? Recreate Earth's atmosphere, in a sense. So it was a whole closed system, though. No oxygen came in, no oxygen came out. There was no communication to the outside world. It was completely sealed off. Whoa. So eight people were sealed in in 1991 to test this. They were the first biospherians. And, you know, it started off okay, but halfway through the experiment, it kind of went south. Now, they were planning on being in there for two years. So halfway two through, all of a sudden, years. they started to run low on oxygen. Because no oxygen came in, it's all self-contained. So, the scientific community on the outside, they had to add in air, which then caused some outrage with the media, and then some other chaos happened with kind of the media was upset, and then the scientific board stepped down, and then the experiment just kind of died off. Because there's also a bunch of plants die off, and animal die off, and because of that, well, the people inside couldn't eat. The goal of the people inside were to just exist in the space. They farmed their own food, and they would create everything after the first year. Wow. So I guess the idea of the oxygen and the way it outraged the media was that it kind of compromised the validity of its own bios like its own atmosphere because they're supposed to be creating their own oxygen with plants but obviously if they didn't start out with plants they couldn't do that and and automatically i think of like yeah well the earth that we live on biosphere one as they know it as did not support life for the first however many years so maybe they should have had this place established 
on its own for years before people came. Maybe they did. I don't know. Well, since the experiment did fail, but it was still an experiment nonetheless. Even a failed experiment is something we learn from. Oh, absolutely. I'm sure they learned a ton. Now, let's talk a little bit more about the biosphere itself. So, Biosphere 2 held five biomes. There was a rainforest section, an ocean, a savanna, a mangrove wetland, and a fog desert across these three acres in different greenhouse setups. Now, it's impossible to recreate Earth's systems perfectly, but... The, ever since the experiment ended, the plant life is still growing. It's now owned by the University of Arizona and is still used today for large-scale science experiments. Because, you know, it's really hard to create, like, Earth's at Earth perfectly, but oh, yeah. now they have kind of a mini model of it. So underneath Biosphere is actually two acres worth of mechanical systems. Wow. Including a giant lung that differentiates the air pressure within biosphere and during the day and night cycle. Because it think of it. Literally is an atmosphere. The Arizona sun heats up the air on the inside, causing it to expand. Oh. But if it expands, then it could explode the glass outward. And when it gets real cold, it could implode. So they have to be working twenty four hours. That's so pretty wild. They actually have a lung that pulls air into this chamber just using differential pressure now what's great about biosphere is it is still it's a giant earth science experiment it's earth mm -hmm. on earth yeah it's earth untainted so what's great is it's now being used for scientific experiments on an earth-sized scale so during the there was a time where we weren't sure how co2 affects our oceans is it poisoning our oceans? So they did a study in the biosphere ocean, which is about a 1 million gallon tank. Wow. And they were able to recreate the systems of what's going on outside in this on a smaller scale to better understand our Earth. So instead of doing all these Earth science experiments that we kind of go off of from way back in the day when it was Earth was first studied, now we actually have a model that we can do experiments with. And not damage our real our real earth because we only have <laughs> one late, of those. Thomas. Yeah, too late. That that's unbelievable. Yeah, I guess uh, I don't know. Talking from an architectural background, you can say that you scale things down, right? Yeah, but it used to be that you'd have to scale things down to almost a petri dish beaker level size. Yeah. But now they're doing uh, a study with the University of Arizona. They're studying water runoff, and they have these million ton almost artificial hills made out of dirt wow that they're testing they how how like plant and soil affects where water goes wow so that's something that would be really hard to experiment outside yeah <laughs> i'm look, i'm looking at pictures right now it's unbelievable and there's a it looks like there's a documentary coming out or it just came out i wouldn't be surprised it is kind of like this whole fascination and i mean it is really cool um, they did go back to this concept of where, you know, could we exist in a colony on a different planet? And they actually now have created a smaller scale model in Biosphere of a system that could create enough oxygen for an astronaut every year. And it's a way more, comp it's not a three acre settlement. It's a lot more compressed. And, you know, we learned that from doing the experiments within biosphere too. Mm -hmm. 
So in the end, did it work for its original purpose? Not necessarily, but it is still a beautiful study in how Earth is. I mean, thinking of that, the area underneath, those acres and acres of the technosphere, as what they call it, mm-hmm. that is just to replicate what Earth does naturally. They need giant HVAC systems to condition and provide water to the ocean and just think earth does that all by itself and you know that's why we can never truly like recreate earth yeah but it is a very good attempt that we have made and it is still being used today for more science they have no future plans of having people live within the biosphere due to well the first experiment and the second experiment i didn't talk about they both failed they did another one yeah, wow. but that one failed due to more corporate stuff. It was never really the biosphere's problem. It was more the turmoil that was created on the outside. Mm-hmm. But it was still a great study. I think biosphere is an important part of our history today. And, I mean, I'm using it right now talking about it in one of my classes because it's so influential in a sense. So, what do you think? What do you think of Biosphere 2? Well, I'm just looking at pictures of it, and it's unbelievable. It, it is massive, but in the scale of things, like, and, you know, if this was a, a science fiction movie, they would make it huge, like the size of a state, you know, and then something would go wrong, like creatures are, like, running around the thing. And yeah. it's, like, the perfect premise for a sci-fi film, like, gone wrong. And I'm just thinking back to the 1980s when they're trying to get funding for this, and they're like, yeah... I uh, would like to build a giant space and simulate Earth. And, like, at its core, that sounds like, oh, yeah, absolutely. But I'm going to stick 10 people in there and have them live there for years. And they can't leave. And it has to be sealed completely shut. Then people are like, what the heck? Like, and you know it's wild? It actually wasn't funded by, like, a group collective. It was a rich, uh, oh, man, was it like a kind of like an eclectic man? It was a very rich individual who is also a big advocate for environmentalists. Uh, His name was Biosphere 2. I want to see a tour of the facility. This is exactly like a sci-fi. There are some videos, YouTube videos of it out there. And it is really like it's beautiful now because even though people haven't been living there, the experiment, in a sense, has still been going on. There's Look how beautiful huge, that is. Yeah, yeah, there's huge plant structures. The ocean's still active. There's a coral reef within there. There's savanna grasslands, and it's just yeah, it's, a it's tropical rainforest. A tropical rainforest in the middle of Arizona that's just been you know going on its own. It says there's a Wired article that says um, Biosphere Two, not such a bust. That's unbelievable. Um, so the guy who paid for it was a guy named Edward Perry Bass, who was an American businessman, financer, philanthropist, and environmentalist who honestly? lived in Fort Worth, Texas, and he financed the Biosphere 2 project. Dude, if I had millions, I would absolutely put millions into this, you know? I oh, yeah. This is, this is an opportunity to learn. It, I'm looking at the, the structure of it. It looks like this prism-shaped facility, multiple kind of like Egyptian in a way, but made of glass and steel. And there's du- it's like du- two thick, thick layers of glass around the whole thing. Like you said, they have this diaphragm. I'm sure it pumps the in-between section of the glass to keep it insulated, vacuum sealed, I'm sure. Um, 
Yeah, there's a there's a desert. Wow, isn't that wild? So a cactus, you know. Well, I think biosphere it. is maybe we'll maybe we'll get to visit it one day, or maybe it'll be recreated on a different planet. We never know. But I think for now, that's that's the conversation I have for biosphere. That's unreal. Yeah, I would uh, love to visit. I'm sure you can visit this facility. I bet if you went to the University of Arizona, give you a tour. <laughs> you might you might be able to, but it's also a no, very a protected place. You don't want to yeah. you don't want to mess with it. I guess that's the idea. It's supposed to be completely preserved um, from outside effect, air quality, everything. It's supposed to be its own isolated thing. So, um, yeah, for pizza, we spent four months growing a crop of wheat, which then had to be threshed and ground. Tomatoes, peppers, and onions had to ripen. Not a 30-minute delivery. Wow. like months. They made pizza in there? Over a couple months. It's pretty cool. I mean, it's a lot of work, but nonetheless. Chickens they had. So they had they had species of animals Yeah, they had animal there. life as well. Fish was a rare treat. They had tilapia and rice patties. So Tropical fish. Two-foot-long giant Pacific clams. Perfect segue into my topic. Ooh, well... <laughs> I knew you said you had an interesting talk to, topic to come talk about. Thomas, I know you're talking about biospheres, but today I'm talking about bivalves. Bivalves? We have a theme here, theme of two. Um, I'm going to call this topic oyster. Oysters are great. Oysters are... <laughs> are you a big oyster guy? I do enjoy oysters, but honestly, I don't know much about them, and I know some people are, are oyster connoisseurs. Oh, the, sh- the shuck the shells, right? The shuck the shells. It's a, it's a delicacy. They're expensive, um, but they're similar to, like, the kind of caliber that wine is at. There's different kind of um, influences to the flavor. There's a lot to oysters that see, I did not know about. See, I think of oysters as the snot of the sea. Honestly, it's the same texture, Thomas. Ugh. But you know what? Oysters are incredible. For many reasons, and beyond just food. Uh, do so share. I, w- I want to get into it. So my, um, my source comes from the originaloysterhouse.com. So they, th- definitely the best source of oyster information on the internet. Better than any Wikipedia article or anything out there. This is very interesting. So I don't, I don't know what, why they love oysters. Well, actually, I do know why they love oysters, and this is why, Thomas. So Oysters at the core, they're, it's a common name for a number of different families of saltwater bivalve mollusks. So can you name any other mollusks that are bivalves? Uh, mussels. Mussels. Clams. Uh, clams. And one more. Can you think of one more? It's my favorite food of all time. Mussels. Scallions. scallions. Scallops. Oh, scallops. scallops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Scallions are you know, uh, plants. Yeah. The, um, so they live in marine or brackish habitats, and actually some live in freshwater habitats, and they can, oh, really? they can live in freshwater. Um, in some species, the valves are highly calcified, and many are somewhat irregular in shape. They kind of grow according to the environment, so that's why they're all weird shaped. Weird. Yeah, they're oysters are organic. a little funky shapes. Very funky shapes. So many but not all oysters are in the superfamily Australia. Australia. Okay. I've, okay. I've seen that before. So... The word oyster comes from the old French oyster. Uh, that's my awful French. I'll take uh, it. It first appeared in English in the 14th century. The French derived it from the Latin ostre, um, the feminine form of ostrium, which is the Latin version of the Greek ver- word um, ostrion, um, oyster. And that sounds like osteon, which is bone, like osteoporosis, like osteo, the bone. So it's, it's calcium, it's made of, it's like a bone, you know, it's like a clump of bone with some muscle in it, you know. Nice. Cool. So that's kind of the origin. So 
the largest oysters can get up to like 16 inches, the Pacific oysters in the Pacific Ocean. But 16 inches, pretty big, pretty big oyster. Yeah, that's not that's get no some big guy. meat out of there, big pearls. I'll get into that. But the largest oysters are actually ginormous. I'm going to show you a picture right here. This is the largest oyster right here. It weighs 34 kilograms, which is about 75 pounds. Wow. And the funny thing, this is a CNN article. It was forgotten underneath a bed for 10 years. What, alive or the, the, like, just the, the, the um, pearl? Oh, wow. Of the oyster. So this oyster was ginormous. So this, this article is really funny. She said her relatives discovered it and up until now have been using it as a good luck charm. Yeah, that's a good. Um, I mean, a giant 30, like 70 pound pearl <laughs> sounds pretty lucky. Yeah, yeah. Pretty darn lucky. Pretty expensive, too. He'd almost forgotten everything about the pearl until he was moving out and he remembered he had something under his bed. Oh, there you go. So, you know, just thinking about that. If you have a pearl under your bed, let someone know. So, okay, they're measured in what's called a clutch. It's kind of like a a bushel or like a pod or collective. The clutch of oysters is kind of like the bed that they they breed on. And the breeding itself is something I want to get into. But the clutch can have anywhere from 50 million to 200 million spots across the ocean. So there's a lot. Of natural ones. Now, you can artificially make clutches, like oyster clutches. (laughs) So, you know, that's how they form. So some types of oysters are cooked. Some are uh, consumed raw, but some are not actually eaten at all. And those happen to be the, the pearl oysters. They're harvested just for the pearl produced oh, within the mantle. Oh, you don't eat those? No, you don't eat those ones. Um, oh. some t- but, I mean, they can form, the ones that we do eat can form pearls. And actually, my grandma found a um, pearl inside one one time. They're not always like perfect, perfect spheres, right? Not or- always perfect spheres. They actually, you know polish them down so i mean the picture that i just showed you of the world's largest look at the shape of that yeah it looks, it's kind of the shape of an oyster more almost. like a walnut like a walnut exactly it's huge um so although um clams and mussels can also produce pearls oysters are kind of like what we know like as oyster pearl. and a pearl as a pearl so um as the oysters grow an internal organ organ called the mantle uses minerals from the oyster's food to produce a substance called um Naker, or nacre, or knocker, or knock. one of those counts. N a c r e. Okay. So this is actually kind of the basis of. Have you ever heard of mother of pearl? The the phrase. The, yeah, I mean it's a phrase, but it's also a substance. It's like a thin layer of like a, a shiny. It looks like pearl. Like here, I'll I'll show you a picture. Mother of pearl, because it's, it's beautiful. They um make instruments with it. They inlay instruments. Um, oh yes you see this yeah yeah that a little it's almost holographic yeah it's so thin light can go through yeah that's beautiful isn't that beautiful yeah you get those natural colors it's It's organic opal it's almost like an opal exactly so they harvest this from um them which take um anywhere from one to six years to kind of form but some saltwater oysters can take five to 20 years to form so the longer it's in the um, oyster the bigger the pearl is going to be which is pretty insane so you know like i showed you that pearl who knows that oyster could have been around for decades yeah so oysters the pearls can be anywhere from like five hundred dollars to priceless you know yeah it depends on the size and the sheen and they're different colors they're more white ones they're more kind of pearl like creamy off-white color you know so oysters are very very interesting one of the facts about oysters that blows my mind 
is kind of their impact to the environment. And this is kind of tags along to the biosphere. Maybe they should have incorporated some oysters into their climate because oysters can filter 1.3 gallons of water per hour. So at one point, the oyster population was filtering the entire Chesapeake Day or Chesapeake Bay in just three days. They could filter all of the water. That's so incredible. Yeah. So they kind of reduce excess algae sediment um, that can lead to hypoxia or low oxygen levels um, that causes other marine life to die. Um, and they just constantly work it all the time because that's how they survive. Their bivalves, they're just pumping water. It's so really interesting. oysters are an important part of the ecosystem. Absolutely important. And also they've kind of been around since the dinosaur times. Not kind of, they have been around. They've been around forever. They're ancient. And the question comes up, like, are they an animal like, do they have consciousness? And honestly, they have a heart. They have a stomach. But they kind of just do their thing without, like, a real cerebral exist. interaction. Yeah. They kind of exist. So it's kind of crazy that something like this just kind of is on Earth. Something as organic as the pearl and the oyster. Who would have guessed? You know, it's so wild. It's like, it's just a big pump. It just pumps up. It's like the kidneys of the ocean. It's the kidneys of the ocean. And there's so many of them. One of the most interesting facts, this is, this is my highlighted fact. This is one I wanted to cover um, at, my, at my peak today. The, the interesting thing about oysters, they don't really have a sex for reproduction. They kind of pick it based on what's need, needed. So kind of like... They kind of just exist. Kind of just exist. Now, many people are like, oh, male seahorses give birth. Well... I think the, the true fact is that male seahorses just carry the young in their pouch. They don't actually give birth to them. Whereas oysters, literally depending on what's around them in terms of other oysters, they will choose. So like if there are a bunch of um, male oysters, an oyster will choose to be female and absorb the sperm that's just floating in the ocean. So when a male wants to reproduce, it just excretes the sperm, the oyster in, sperm into the ocean. And then and somewhere bumps. across the ocean, it could be years later, a female or a, just an oyster would absorb that and birth new oysters. Interesting how that works. Oysters fit into that type of animal creature that you're not really sure what they do, but over time they just grow and then more of them show up. And they kind of just spread. Yeah. Like, that's for all the mollusks, I'd say. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? They're known as delicacies. And yeah, they're they're more expensive and they're, they're harder to consume because you have to, like, shuck them and everything in the process. But you know what? I have the most respect for all of those, I don't know if you call them creatures, but those phenomena of nature. Um, now, I think back to the ancient times of, like, kingdoms by the sea where the royalty would wear pearl jewelry and it's like you know only they knew about it this incredible mother of pearl the pearls actually like making jewelry out of it and i'm thinking like i do see pearls around like girls maybe wearing like a single pearl like earring or whatever but why can't guys wear pearls they're pretty cool thomas it takes years to form under pressure in the ocean yeah i mean maybe hey if you want to wear pearls absolutely so now i do have a question though Listen, what on earth got you on the mind of oysters? Did you go to a shucking contest? Did you have some nice a shucking seafood contest a couple days ago? Well, my old boss that I interviewed at, at my old, old job, um, we interviewed for a couple seconds, and then he told me how he's uh, a professional shucker. Like, he's been in shucking competitions. 
all wow. about the speed shock. Are you serious? Yeah, you speed won the first shocking. place. Yeah. Let me let me just YouTube a quick video of speed shocking. Yeah, I sh- I assume it's insane. It's um, it's a competition. It's like an eating contest, I guess. But shucking competitions are a real thing. World's fastest shucker. Yeah, you know it. Okay, they use tools for it. Oh yes, there's a shucking knife that has like. It's this. It's this whole process. But there's people out there who like compete. I, I did not know that was a part of it. So this just got all the more interesting. So, okay, what he's explaining what his got, technique. What got you into? Um, that is gross looking. Yeah, it is nasty. Honest. What got you into oysters then? Well, I was talking about it at my friend's house the other day because my friend loves oysters, loves uh, it, and we were talking about um, what do you call the um, uh, romance-inducing um, foods. Um, what are they called? They're called um, an, an aphrodisiacs. Aphrodisiacs. Ah. And oysters oysters are one of them. One of the main ones, actually. Oh, who would have guessed? Oysters, wine, chocolate, ah, pomegranate. Yes, yes. Well, honey. with Valentine's season coming around, I guess it's the topic of discussion. Yeah. <laughs> I'm feeling some oysters. Honestly, I oysters are healthy for you. Vitamins, minerals. They're not really kind of like a mass-produced meat. I mean, they are farm-raised, many of them, but the majority are from the it's ocean. It's not like they're getting antibiotic Hormonal to... tr- injections, no. So let's eat more oysters and bivalves because you know what? They're healthy. They're a good source of protein, honestly. Scallops are my absolute favorite food, if, you, if you're listening. Treat me someday. <laughs> Someone, I don't know. But yeah, that's what I that's what I have to share on oysters. Yeah, I, oysters have just been on the mind because the the one fact that I heard from my friend was that they they choose their kind of sex based on what's needed. Like it doesn't matter. They just they just kind of pick it. Oysters just do their thing. Oysters just do their thing. Let's listen to the the mantra of the oyster. Maybe yeah, maybe we should be more like oysters and just do our thing. Yeah, we should uh, filter the environment like oysters do. Well, I wonder if there's any oysters in biosphere. That is you what know, I'm that's, wondering. That's the next step. I guarantee there is something there's about something oysters in, in the biosphere. Yeah. yeah, I'm gonna watch that documentary. Yeah, it's great. Uh, but I think that's what we have for two top this week. Yeah, a little. You know, I hope we didn't make you too hungry th- talking about oysters, but I hope you learned something about our attempt to create a miniature Earth and also the great bivalve that lives in our our salt water and fresh water. But I think that's what we have for Two Top this week, and we'll see you guys next time on another Two Topics. See ya. See ya. This was Two Top an independently created and run podcast created by Thomas Lance and Matt Berg. Music this episode comes from Lee Rosevere. For more info about this week's episode, visit us at twotoppodcast.com. For general inquiries and feedback, send us an email at twotoppodcast at gmail.com. See you next week for another Two Topics.